0: help us to change, Lord, continually be changing and conforming more and more into your Son. Lord, help us to protect our hearts and to guard them, Lord, and to just care for the things in the, the, your heart, Lord, and your concerns and the way that um, you care, Lord, and your love and your mercy. Just be with us. Help, help us again, Lord, just to have open ears and eyes. Pay attention, Lord, and just listen to what you'd like to share with us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mary. Thank you very much. The subject is Guard Your Heart. And so uh, we're going to begin by a scripture reading from Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 to 27. I invite you to follow in your Bibles. Um, I'm reading from the New International Version, 1984. Solomon is speaking to his son, may they represent a pupil, but it's a lesson for all of us. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil." Verse 23 says Above all, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Very important command, instruction to us. We're going to look at the subject firstly considering the importance of the heart and secondly the heart's deceitfulness and deliverance. Thirdly, dangers to the heart and fourthly, how do we guard our heart? And so we need to consider the heart. Firstly, the importance of the heart. Your heart is the wellspring of life. What do we mean, what does the Bible mean by the heart? Sometimes when people speak about the heart, they think of the heart as opposed to the head, and they're really talking about emotions as opposed to intellect or thinking. But that's not really the idea in the Bible. In the Bible, the heart is the totality of our inner nature. It's most commonly used uh, as a term for the uh, Im- the immaterial personality functions, as well as it's the most inclusive term for them. In the New Testament, the heart is the seat of the whole person, the mind, the imagination, the affections, the conscience, and the will. It's often used as a synonym for mind. And so Proverbs 4 verse 23 is telling us to guard our heart, our emotions, our intellect, our will. And uh, there's two versions that pick up different ideas within that. The Good News Bible puts it this way, Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. The Living Bible puts it, Above all else, guard your affections, for they influence everything else in your life. This means it is important to be careful what we think about. Solomon stressed the importance of this. Above all else, guard your heart. What do your minds dwell on? What thoughts go through your head when you're not having to concentrate on the task at hand? Does the music you listen to affect you? What about your affections? Beware of falling in love with someone or something that will not help you as a Christian. Watch your heart. Moses told the Israelites, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. That's from Deuteronomy 4 verse 9. And so this passage in the book of Proverbs, can be uh, thought of as a series of four instructions. Firstly, watch your heart. The heart is first. It speaks of the inner life, the mind, the thoughts, the motives, the desires. The mind is the fountain from which our actions spring, and if the fountain is pure, then the stream that flows from it will be pure. And as a man thinks, so he is. And so this verse emphasizes the importance of a clean thought life. Um, the New Century Version puts this verse Be careful what you think, because your thoughts run your life. In the verses before it, the teacher has indicated how to guard the heart already. It's in keeping with the words of the wise within your heart. He's in agreement with the psalmist who says, How can a young man keep his way pure? by living according to your word. I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. So watch your heart, but then watch your tongue. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. And what we say often reflects what the, the things that dominate our thinking and affections. Jesus said, The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, the mouth speaks. I think we're all aware of people who say some things that they shouldn't. And with some, we know that we cannot trust what they say. And with others, well, what they say might be true, that they had no need to say it because it was unnecessary, unhelpful, and not to be repeated. We do much damage with our tongues. But what we say with our our, our tongue often g- reflects what is in our heart. I think of one man I used to work with, and there were some rumours going around as to certain aspects of his lifestyle, and uh, what well, he had never openly admitted it, but there was one occasion he got really angry with something at work, and he came up with a stream of vile abuse, which... Um, to some of us, I think it confirmed what exactly was in his heart. Uh, there are situations like that where sometimes your mouth reflects what's in your mind. So watch your tongue. Thirdly, watch your direction. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your, guise, your gaze directly before you. It's been said if you aim at nothing, you are sure to hit it. But many people are aimless. And what is your aim? In which direction are you going? Have you sought God's direction for your life? Um, And so here in verse 25 it speaks about eyes looking ahead. It suggests a person walking with a certain aim. He's aiming at something. He's going in that direction he's aiming at so that he does not turn aside for anything that is unworthy. We are in in an age where the mass media bombard us, uh, with publicity, it's designed to arouse our animal appetites. And we, as, if we're Christians, we must keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. The secret is a single-minded focus on the path that leads to eternal life. And Proverbs says a lot about the path that we should be following. And then finally here we have the, the instruction, watch your path. Make level paths for your feet. Take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. I I do a certain amount of tramping, and I know from experience that it is very important to watch your path. There have been a few occasions I have not, and uh, sometimes there are tree roots, there's mud, there's slippery rocks, or unstable ground, and uh, well, uh, you can easily trip over or fall over if you don't watch what is your path. But Solomon has more in mind than somebody just walking along a path where there may be tree roots or mud or slippery rocks. He is thinking of a path in life. Now, God has promised to guide his disciples and lead them along straight paths, but they must cooperate with him. And there are many things that can take us off the right path, away from the path that pleases God. There are stumbling blocks, there are bogs, there are deviations. And major sins or doctrinal difficulties lead some people astray. And um, our, our brother who had been in Fiji, I was sharing today about it, his friend who had been led astray or had fallen away from the path, the right path. But thankfully, the Lord does truly keep those who belong to him. And so they can still know God as their shepherd um, uh, and he longs for people to come back. But still, it's better not to go off the path if we can avoid it. Um, there are people who do turn aside in a major way. But with many more, it's just the attraction of the ungodly world and what it has to offer. Riches, fame, comfort, affluence, possessions, and so on. And the influence of these things can be very subtle. And so if we take our eyes off the true path and we can find ourselves off the track, and unfortunately we we can also lead others astray, so we need to watch our path. So in this passage in Proverbs, Solomon urges his son or uh, his pupil uh, to make guarding his heart his priority. His thoughts, his mind, the source is the source from which actions and decisions come. And really, these verses are the Old Testament counterpart of Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. These verses urge us to present our entire being to God, our heart, our mouth, and lips our eyes, our feet. God begins with the inner person and then works outward. And so the heart is important. However, there is a problem because the heart is also deceitful. How can we get delivered from that? It's the heart's deceitfulness and we need deliverance. So the Bible does tell us that the heart is deceitful and sick. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Matthew Henry, who was a, a, um, a preacher who lived in the late 1600s, early 1700s, he said, There is wickedness in our hearts, which we ourselves are not aware of and do not suspect to be there. The heart, the conscience of man in his corrupt and fallen state is deceitful above all things. It calls evil good and good evil, puts false colours upon things. When men say in their heart there is no God or that he does not see, in these and a thousand similar suggestions the heart is deceitful. The case is bad indeed if the conscience should rectify the errors of the other faculties in itself is a mother of falsehood and a ringleader in the delusion. We cannot know our own hearts nor what they will do in an hour of temptation. Hezekiah did not, Peter did not. Much less can we know the hearts of others or have any dependence upon them. The heart is deceitful. But the Bible also tells us that God knows our hearts. And God responds to that uh, statement in Jeremiah 17:9 by the next verse. Where he says, I, the Lord, search the heart and e- examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct according to what his deeds deserve. There was one occasion when our Lord Jesus was here on earth and there were people who were sneering at Jesus. And Jesus said to them, God knows your hearts. In fact, God is he who searches the hearts. God not only knows our hearts, but he tests our hearts. His word judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So why then would we ever feel free to indulge in gross sin in our imagination? Sins we'd never act out before others when we know that God is audience to our thoughts. Would not God find this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. It's out of the heart that comes evil. Before the flood in the days of Noah, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord Jesus said, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. So all sin is first incubated in the mind. James says, each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. It has well been said, so a thought reap an act, sow an act, reap a habit, sow a habit, reap a character, sow a character, reap a destiny. Out of the heart comes evil. And so really we need a new heart. In Psalm 24, there's a question asked, a series of questions. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The answer, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. And in that psalm, clean hands and a pure heart are linked together because we do what we do because we are what we are. The heart determines what we are and therefore what we do. In view of what Jesus said about what comes out of the heart, no wonder we need a new heart. The natural human heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. David was a great man, but yet he asked the Lord to create a clean heart within him, because he realized he needed that. Well, the good news is that God promised in the Old Testament he would make a new covenant, which, and that, among other things, involves having God's law written within our hearts. One of the passages on the new covenant in Ezekiel 11, uh, God says this He says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit within them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be my God. But as for those whose hearts are devoted to their vile images and detestable idols, I will bring down on their own heads what they have done, declares the Sovereign Lord. Well, God is able to cleanse our hearts because of the death of his Son on our behalf. Jesus died to cleanse us from our sins. And as a result we are able to draw near to god with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience have you had your hearts cleansed from a guilty conscience we need a new heart and god does provide that but there is a response that is is really required of us and that is to give god our heart. Proverbs 23, 26. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes keep to my ways. And the appeal there is from a wise man to his son or his pupil, but behind it is God, from whom is all wisdom. And someone has said take a piece of wax, a piece of meat, some sand, some clay and some shavings and put them on the fire. And each of them has acted on by the same way. The same thing, the fire, but yet there's different effects. The wax melts, the meat fries, the sand dries up, the clay hardens, and the shavings blaze. And so, under the influence of identical circumstances and environment, one person may become stronger, while another person without Christ becomes weaker and withers. I came across this piece of poetry a while ago. One ship goes east, another west. By the selfsame winds that blow, tis the set of the sail and not the gale that determines the way they go. Like the winds of the sea are the ways of time as we voyage along through life, tis the set of the soul that determines the goal and not the calm or the strife. Which way is your soul set? How is your heart? Well, give God your heart. The heart is deceitful and sick and we need deliverance. And out of our natural hearts, comes evil. God knows our hearts, our thoughts, our attitudes, our imagination, our secrets. And we need a new heart, and God is able to provide it. He calls us. What he calls us for is the surrender of our heart to him. Well, there are dangers to the heart. And even though uh, we are united with Christ, if we're Christians, we're, we're united with Christ, we're new creations, and so we have renewed and cleansed hearts, Yet there are dangers that we must observe, and I say this to myself as much as to anyone else, that there are dangers we need to be aware of. Firstly, there are dangers to the mind. Now, the mind is a marvellous faculty that God has given us. We are able to think, but our minds are in danger from sin. And we need to remember that the, when the Bible speaks about the heart, often it is speaking about the mind, the, uh, perhaps the entire conscious person. Uh, it includes a number of things. but the warning to guard your heart is particularly applicable to our thought life. It's in our thought life that emotions and actions begin, and the sinful desires plant their roots and entice us to sin. And there's two particular dangers to the mind the two abilities our minds have. We have an ability to remember and we have the ability to plan. And if we do not guard our minds, then we can sin. There is There can be sins of remembering, uh, cherishing sins of the past. And one way the mind can sin is to cherish the memories of sins that are past, to bring back the the lurid memory of something that, we, may have, we did some years ago, maybe some time back, Is in a sense to repeat the sin all over again. And is it possible for somebody who is truly repentant about a sin to get, still harvest pleasure from the memory of that thing that happened? Well, unfortunately, yes, because of the deceitfulness of our own heart and the sinful ten- tendencies of our sinful nature. But then there are sins of scheming, plotting sins of the future. And that's another way the mind can sin. And the scripture is full of condemnation of those whose minds are engaged in this kind of activity. And so there can be the sins of scheming. But then there's also danger to the affections. Now, God has given us emotions. That's wonderful, isn't it? But yet, we're able to love and we're able to hate. What do you love and what do you hate? Whom do you love? Um, But the danger is, instead of loving... God and loving what he loves and hating uh, the wrong things, hating things that God hates, it's possible that we may put it the other way around. We may love the wrong things, we may hate the wrong things. And so our affections may be drawn away from God. And so there are dangers to the affections. But then there's also danger, dangers to the imagination. Now the imagination is a wonderful gift that God has given us. With our imagination, we can think of things that we've never seen. We think of places that we've never been, actions that we've never done. But yet the imagination can be misused and defiled. Now, purely imaginary sin is still sin. That's what Jesus referred to when he warned against lust. We may have no intention of ever performing the deed, but Jesus says if you imagine it, you are guilty. And people can fantasize about sins that they long to commit. They imagine what it would be like to indulge their favorite lusts or to wreak revenge on a despised enemy or to hurt somebody they loathe. They act out a robbery in their minds or fantasize about an illicit relationship or visualize killing someone and they indulge in covetousness and greed in their minds, and the advertising and entertainment industries appeal to such desires. The development of video games and virtual reality has encouraged this, and so millions of people live in a fantasy world of sin. So we do need to be very careful about our imagination and the use of some of these um, devices like video games and uh, virtual reality and things like this Which can uh, uh, certainly we can enter into that with our imagination, but what are we entering into? There are dangers there. Then there are dangers to the will. God has given us the ability to make decisions. We are responsible people before God. We decide to do things, we decide not to do things, but there are dangers there. Uh, We decide what to do when we're faced with a decision. Um, you decided to come here this morning. That's great. Um, but there's all sorts of other decisions that we can make. But we can, have, we can be influenced by the wrong people. Uh, the, these people might influence us the wrong way. We may make wrong decisions. And then a final uh, danger has to do with hardness of heart. The heart. This problem is often mentioned in the Bible. The Lord Jesus... Uh, we're told was grieved at their hardness of heart. These these were people who were in a synagogue who were ready to accuse Jesus. So even though in the synagogue presumably they were there to worship God and honor God, yet they were they had their hearts hardened. Even the disciples had hard hearts. We're told on one occasion, and Paul warns uh, those who are uh, unbelievers. Uh, he says, But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself in the, for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. But the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And so there is a danger of hardness of heart. Our hearts face many dangers. There are dangers to the mind, the affections, the imagination, the will, and we can be tempted. To harden our hearts, so we come fourthly to the question: How do we guard our hearts? Well, Jesus said that the mouth speaks from that which fills the heart, and we need to be careful about that which fills our heart, our minds. How do we guard our hearts? And I'd like to suggest uh, about four things, uh, four or five things here. Uh, firstly, we do need to be careful about what we see. We read in Proverbs 4.25, let your eyes look straight ahead, fix your gaze directly before you. The gates to our uh, thought life are primarily through our eyes and our ears. What we see or read largely determines what we think. And memory, of course, has a big part to play. But our memories only store and feedback what originally has gone into our minds through our eyes or our ears. And guarding our heart begins with gu- guarding our eyes and our ears. And Unfortunately, once we've seen certain things, it's difficult to erase the memory of these things. I, I know for myself that sometimes I've seen certain movies and uh, maybe something on television, and the, mem- the memory of what I've seen, sometimes it, it may not be a good. something good. It stays with me for days, if not weeks. And uh, sometimes I regret having seen certain things, but yet that remains with me. And certainly books and magazines and televisions, video, internet, places we go, all provide us with things to see. And a great deal of temptation comes through the eyes. Not to look at something provocative and appealing to the sinful nature requires a lot of discipline. Uh, Job was a godly man, and he said, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Not to look lustfully at a girl. And Job had carefully guarded himself against wicked and lustful thoughts. Isaiah tells us that the one who can live in God's presence is he who shuts his eyes against contemplating evil. The wise man in Proverbs says, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes keep to my ways. Be careful what you see. We need to know where the off switch is, how to change channels or uh, go out of a website and things like this when we're looking at things uh, that can often be tempting. There's much to seduce us there. So be careful what you see. But then also we need to be careful about what we hear. And radio and music, gossip, lectures and sermons, education, all provide us with things to listen to. And Isaiah tells us that the one who can live in God's presence is he who stops his ears against plots of murder. He's got the idea of stopping ears against hearing certain things that are evil. And the positive is to listen to what is right. Solomon often in his Proverbs urges paying attention to his words. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen well to my words of insight. Listen, my son, and be wise and keep your heart on the right path. So if, if you listen to the radio or to music much of the time, what are you listening to? Is it good or evil? I, I remember some years ago I was staying with some relations in another um, p- uh, place and there was some concern expressed over what their teenage son was listening to on his, um, with his music. And uh, he showed me a, um, a, I think it was a CD Uh, and uh, the CD cover had the words of the lyrics of this particular um, uh, CD on it. I I didn't need to actually hear what the music was like. I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it, but the words were certainly words I I did not use. They were evil words, um, rebellion. They were um, foul words. And I I said to this uh, guy, I said, well, if you're filling your mind with that kind of stuff, you're going to be keeping on thinking about those things, and it's not going to be doing you any good at all. Um, you know you need to find something wholesome to listen to if you like that style of music well there, there, are, uh, there are there are some other alternatives. Um, we need to be very careful. A lot of people do listen to music for long periods of time um, we see them walking around with or moving about with earphones on. Maybe some of you are like that. Hopefully nobody has earphones and listening to music while I'm speaking this morning. Um, But uh, if you do that, well, what are you listening to? Is it good or is it bad? Um, I'm thankful for good Christian music and for Christian radio programs. and uh, Sometimes those things can help us to think about what is right. Be careful about what you hear. And then we also need to be careful about our imagination and our thoughts. In, in Ezekiel chapter 14, we find that there were some people who came to talk to Ezekiel the prophet. And he says in the first five verses of the chapter, he says, Some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat down in front of me. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, these men have set, set up idols in their hearts and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I let them inquire of me at all? Therefore speak to them and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, when any Israelite sets up idols in his heart and puts a wicked stumbling block before his face and then goes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him myself in keeping with his great idolatry. I'll do this to recapture the hearts of the people of Israel who have all deserted me for their idols. Well... We can allow in our minds things that we would not allow in our actions because other people cannot see our thoughts, but God sees our thoughts. David said to God, You perceive my thoughts from afar, and before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. The Christian who fears God controls his thoughts, not because of what other people think, but because of what God thinks. And he prays, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart Be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Job was concerned, he was well aware of the danger of sinful thoughts. And he had consciously set a guard in his heart to avoid any sins. And he even offered sacrifices to God in case his children had sinned in their hearts. And so uh, he was aware of the possibility that his children, who probably professed to be believers in God, may have sinned in their hearts. And so Job carefully safeguarded his thought life, and it may be the reason why God singled him out for unique blessing. There's no one on earth like him, God told Satan. He's a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Well, the Bible tells us about taking every thought captive to obedience. Uh, Paul wrote, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so this question, well, how can we deal with evil thoughts? I have a friend, I have a friend in Wellington who comes to our church regularly and he has been bothered with evil thoughts for many years and we've tried to be of some help to him with that but I I know for myself it's easy for evil thoughts to come into my mind. And just some five things that I picked up from John MacArthur in one of his uh, writings. How do we deal with them? Well, the first thing is to confess and forsake the sin. We do need to name it as a sin before God if we've been entertaining evil thoughts. Secondly, refuse to entertain those thoughts. And it's important to replace them with what is good, with truth, and righteousness. You, you can't just sort of decide you're not going to think about evil. I mean, it's a bit like I telling you, you know, for the next uh, minute, do not think about elephants, you know, those big animals with the four big legs and trunks. So Don't think about elephants at all for the next minute. Um, you know, they're grey and they've got a tail and they live in Africa or in India. Um, but I mean, like that, I mean, what are you thinking about what are you thinking about? Ele- elephants. Um, no, you have to replace it with something else. So if you start thinking on something d- different, then that helps a lot. Um, It helps you to get rid of the wrong thought. Feed on the word of God, and that is important because that is truth, and it is from God. And if we are people who read our Bibles regularly, if we engage in personal Bible study, that does help a lot. The, The word insulates the mind, it strengthens the heart, it occupies the soul and strengthens it against evil thoughts. And then when times where maybe uh, your mind is wandering on different things, you can remember verses from the Bible. or You can think of certain things. And I find when I cannot sleep at night, what do I like to do? Well, sometimes I start at Genesis and I think of something in that book and I go to Exodus. And um, Usually I'm asleep before I get to Revelation. <laughs> but it's a way of um, thinking about what is positive rather than something that is maybe uh, dragging you into sin. Um, Fourthly, avoid evil attractions. You can go to certain places where you know you're going to be led into sin. And uh, there are things that you need to do sometimes to make sure you don't get in that situation. Don't expose yourself to images and conversations that provoke evil thoughts. There's been three occasions I've been in tramping huts around the country where I found pornography in the hut. And uh, in each case, it's gone on the fire. Quickly, um, and that's important. If you're in a, sometimes you can't avoid certain situations, if maybe in a workplace and things like that. But uh, if you can avoid those sort of things, and uh, it, it, to me, it's dangerous to leave those sort of evil images, uh, magazines and so on, in a place w- where I can get access, because I can be tempted to go and look at these things. So they need to be sometimes destroyed. Avoid evil attractions, and then fifthly, cultivate the love of God. If we set our minds on things above. The things of earth will cease to hold the same. And so the question really is, what do you set your heart upon? And uh, it's been said that the solemn truth of the gospel is that in spiritual things you get what you set your heart on. Set your heart on knowing God and he will reveal himself to you through his word. Set your heart on serving him and you will not lack opportunity to do so. But set your heart On nothing of spiritual consequence. And that's precisely what you'll receive. Nothing of spiritual consequence. Set your heart on your own ambitions and perhaps they will be fulfilled. Or God may even give you your heart's desire. That's what he did with the people in the wilderness. He had saved them for his own sake and his glory. He led them through the desert. But yet they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his counsel. And in the desert they gave into their craving. They put God to the test. And he gave them what they asked for, but sent a wasting disease among them. And so you do need to be careful what we set our hearts on. Um, So what does the Bible tell us? Well, it tells us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind, and with all our strength. So our key verse has been, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. And the Scriptures encourage us to set our hearts on the right things. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So, The lesson here is guard your heart because it is the centre of your inner being and it determines your actions. Christ is able to renew and cleanse your heart and can guard it. Have you been to Jesus Christ for cleansing? Do you know him as your saviour? And uh, if you have fallen into sin of this sort, then you can come to him, confess your sins and find cleansing. But for us, we need to take care as to what, what you allow in your heart, and what you focus on. Just uh, four final lessons about the heart. Firstly, don't let your hearts be troubled. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. Maybe some of us do have troubled hearts of one sort or another. Believe in God and trust in Jesus Christ. And Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The second lesson is allow Christ to make his home in your heart so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, Paul says in Ephesians 3.17. Thirdly, seek for a pure heart. And that starts with cleansing by the sacrificial death of our Lord Jesus on the cross. But then it is followed by the personal and practical steps of guarding our minds and affections and imagination and desires. And setting a guard on what we see and hear is important. We also need to set our hearts on the things of God and what is good and true and just. And fourthly, beware of an unbelieving heart. Beware that there's much to take us away from God and to encourage unbelief today. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And let us pray together. We can all say this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any anxious, offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. May God help me and may he help you to guard our hearts. Thank you.